Hello, friends. Welcome to the Literacy Curators Podcast. I am Susan Schatz, and I am so excited to talk to you today about one of my favorite topics, fluency. Fluency is the bridge to comprehension, especially in this world of science of reading. There is a great emphasis on decoding and phonics and phonemic awareness, and that is absolutely essential. Systematic, explicit phonics instruction, phonemic awareness instruction, also essential comprehension, but fluency is this bridge. It's what connects the dots for readers. And I had the uh, joy of listening to the top researcher. He's like in the top 1% of researchers in the world and um, in the area of literacy. And Timothy Rosinski, he is the top, in my mind, uh, fluency researcher. So I listened to him speak just last week and I wanted to share some insights um, that I that were new to me from what he said and then also reminded me of research I'd done three years ago that's still valid. So let's dive in. I want to share with you three ways to think about fluency instruction that are effective, efficient, and fun. So the first one is that we think about fluency instruction through songs. And I was so surprised when Tim Rosinski said this. Um, I was one of those kids who, when I was young, my brothers would turn off the radio in the car and tell me they wouldn't turn it back on until I stopped singing. So I am not a natural born singer, but uh, Tim Rosinski's he convinced me. He convinced me why songs are an important part of the school day or of fluency work. And it could be songs, it could be poems, it, it just anything that lends itself to prosody. So they're important because one, they are fun and our brain is naturally oriented towards games and fun. We are naturally just uh, engaged and excited. So it's a way to engage our student. Not that our main goal is to have engaged readers, readers who want to read and do things. So songs do that. They release these happy chemicals in the brain. Another thing that I have to admit I haven't thought about a lot is that they are an opportunity to teach content area instruction. And we know that content area instruction really supports comprehension. So I tried this with my first graders the other day, and I have to tell you, I'm hooked. Um, we used an example from Tim Rosinski and it was that old, um, you'll be coming or what is it? She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. I'm not even going to try and sing it for you. I just tried it. It's not going to go well. So she'll be coming around the mountain when she does. It is to the water cycle. So water travels in a cycle. Yes, it does. And you go through evaporation, condensation, these big vocabulary words. So it gives an opportunity to engage in this rich prosody, to have fun with songs, but also teach content area instruction and sophisticated vocabulary words to even the youngest of readers, which is crucial. Uh, and then another thing that he mentioned related to this is karaoke. And I just thought, oh my goodness, how fun. What fun would students have if they got to have a karaoke session during their school day and this was part of fluency practice? The reason this works is um, it is basically like subtitles. 
so that the students, the important part is that they're singing, but they're following along and reading the words. And it's that match of the, the prosody, the intonation, the singing, and then seeing the words. And that is what helps map the sounds um, onto their brain and help them remember. I have a friend who's so sweet. She grew up in France and that is one of the ways she taught herself English was just watching American sitcoms when she was a high schooler and watching them with subtitles and practicing those words over and over again. So karaoke, here we come in the elementary school classroom. That's part one of his tips for fluency. The second one is a little bit of um, a flashback for me. This handbook of reading research that I read during my dissertation program is just these edited chapters by some of the top researchers in the world. And I had taken that and created what I call a fluency map. So the second um, idea that I would share with you is this way of scaffolding reading instruction with uh, a fluency. I call it a fluency map, but basically the idea is that you give students a text that are at least at grade level. If, if this is a struggling reader a, or a reader who needs extra support and they aren't reading at grade level, you give them at least grade level, if not a little bit above text. So this isn't matching the text just right to them. It is pulling them along through scaffolding. And the way you do that is to introduce the text and elicit background knowledge. And I'll never forget one of my kindergartners I did this with a few years ago. And he was an English language learner and just as sweet as can be, came to our school in the middle of the school year and he had grown up in Colorado. And I knew this. So I chose a story that had to do with building a snowman. And we talked all about the snow and how you shape a snowman and the different parts and steps and what you do. And we elicited that background knowledge because that reduces the cognitive load. So when you're introducing a story, you are first eliciting background knowledge. You're showing it to the student. You're creating this like access to the file cabinet in their brain with words that they know on this topic. And that cognitive load goes down. And I think of cognitive load like waiting tables. If you are a waitress or waiter and you have this tray, the more glasses and plates and things you have to balance on the tray, the harder. So if, if you can take some of it off and make it a little more steady, that's how you would kind of reduce cognitive load. So one way to do that is to introduce a story and build background knowledge to elicit their um, previous understanding and to engage with them in an oral way. Then step two would be to read the book to the student. And this is another key aspect of fluency instruction, and that is the modeling of fluent reading. Modeling is one of the top ways to build efficacy, which is the belief in yourself that you can achieve something. So in order to um, build fluency, you don't just hand the book to the student and say, read and let's reread. It's not that. You're starting with building the background knowledge, then modeling fluent reading. Then you ask the student to read the book to you. And while doing so, you're not correcting them as you go, but you are noting their errors. Then you choose those errors, you go back into the text and you do a little bit of word work. So if the word was candy, you would look at it with them and maybe say, okay, here's the word can instead of, instead of can D and teach them the word. 
So that is the integration of fluency and phonics instruction, word work instruction. So introduce the book, read it to them, have the student read it to you, then provide them feedback that is directly aligned to looking closely at to the sound patterns within the word. Then you have this student, this is a part that's often left out, is retell the story. So when you're engaging in that fluency work, you're also engaging in comprehension work and you're having the student learn to retell, align to story structure. I'll get into story structure another time, but integrating all these components is what makes fluency instruction so effective in this way. So first example is games, songs, poems, all of that, where you're really noticing the prosody of the language. And then two, what I call a fluency map, where you're introducing a text, you're going through modeling the text to them and some repeated readings of the text with feedback and retell to engage that language component. And then the last part would be reader's theater. And that's one that um, Tim Rosinski really, he just was really um, supportive of this approach because there's an authentic audience. You could have parents, other classes, um, peers, however you want to organize it once a week where the students rehearse all week long and then they have an authentic audience on Fridays to recite their script, their mini play, readers theater. The other interesting way that you can scaffold this is going back to um, a prosody and is um, basically marking phrase boundaries. So if you have the script and you have portions of it, you can go through and mark where phrases naturally break. And that's a way to scaffold for students how to notice these phrase boundaries so that when they're reading, they can read in an effective way. And we know that prosody is directly linked to comprehension. So how well a student can read and notice those phrase boundaries directly correlates to how well they're going to comprehend a text. So that I hope uh, gives you some fresh ideas or reinforces some older notions of reading fluency, but the idea of having fun with it and singing poems, whatnot, and matching the words to the sounds is terrific. Having a repeated reading with feedback, with retell and modeling is super effective. And then also reader's theater that allows for noticing those uh, phrasing boundaries and then also having an authentic audience. And the last but not least is the synergistic effect. And that is maybe a word that's been overused so many times, but uh, Tim Rosinski was extremely um, clear about the fact that it isn't just using one of these ways, it is using multiple means of teaching reading fluency and putting them together that really has the strongest impact on a student's ability to become a fluent reader. So I say start small, choose one new one, um, make sure you allow specific time in your literacy block. He recommends 30 minutes a day. If you can't get there, just integrate it in with your small groups, um, but focus on fluency intentionally and you will absolutely see your students' scores skyrocket. All right, thanks, take care.